Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. great to be back with you folks on this 154th podcast and I want you to know these podcasts have not come without challenges we've uh, we're continuously dealing with internet connectivity Uh, we're dealing with uh, you know the devil just hates that we're in the book of Job and I'm not sure why but I am sure of a couple things I am sure that God is teaching us from the book of Job that God uh, inspired this book for you and me. Every word in the Bible is for you and me. Once in a while, some knucklehead will get on Facebook and say, this book's not really for us or something like that. Well, then you got to take the verse out of the Bible that says that every word is. Uh, Some people think they know more than God, but this book is for us, friends. Uh, And this book helps us to grow. It helps us to become better people. It helps us to go to a new place. It helps us to achieve some kind of Uh, godliness that we wouldn't have achieved without reading this, without going through it. God's word never returns void is what it tells us. And so with me, as always, is my co-host, Stephanie Wesco. So Stephanie, how are you this morning? I am doing great, Doug. Rejoicing in the Lord. That's great. And, you know, I want you to know that like a waiter comes up and asks questions, when you take a big bite of your porterhouse and baked potato together with some sour cream and some A1 on it, that uh, Stephanie was right in the middle of a yawn that I didn't pay attention to when I asked her how she was doing. So we've got this crazy Zoom meeting going on in one side. We got, uh, and I'm actually in my garage and uh, trying to be in a quiet place. It's getting a little warm out here, but it's, uh, what an honor, Stephanie. What an honor. So you're doing well. Uh, just real quickly, catch us up for two minutes on what's going on with your family. People are always saying, what's going on with the Wesco 8, the grade 8? So tell us, what's up? They're, they're doing pretty awesome. They're in school. Um, it's kind of crazy having all eight in school this year for the first time. So we have freshmen in high school all the way down to K4 running at our house. So we have... Daniel, um, who's my study um, aholic, he just thrives on school. Um, if he doesn't get a hundred percent, he's bummed out. Um, that's and then I have you know everything in between down to Emmeline, who just tries to rule the roost and is becoming even more knowledgeable about life now that she's in K four and is asking lots of deep questions. That is. Um, sometimes I'm like, how in the world did that thought process even go through a four-year-old's mind? Um, but she still tries to rule the roost, and now she's adding more knowledge to how she rules the roost now that she's in school. So anyways, they're all doing great, staying healthy, and um, yeah, they're excited about camp coming up. They always love going to Wounded Spirits camps and being involved and looking forward to a concert and all that fun stuff. Wow. Wow. Well, no, they're great. And uh, those of you who don't know, I'm uh, uh, I love Stephanie's kids and uh, just uh, uh, I'm glad to be their Uncle Dud, as Emmy calls me. D.U.D. But she's getting better with Doug all the time. She even corrected herself last time I spoke to her. So I think we're transitioning out of the three year old Dud to, to the four year old Doug. But here we are in Chapter 20, Stephanie. And uh I mean, chapter 20 is just more of it, man. It's just going uh-huh. on. 
So here we are in chapter 20 of the book of Job, verse number one. Then answered Zophar the Naamathite and said, Therefore do my thoughts, cause me to answer, and for this I make haste. I have heard the check of my reproach, and the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer. Knowest thou not that this of old, since man was placed upon earth, that the triumph of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment? Though his excellency mount up to the heavens, and his head reach unto the clouds, yet he shall perish forever like his own dung, that they which have seen him shall say, Where is he? He shall fly away as a dream, and shall not be found, yea, he shall not be chased away as a vision in the night. The eye also which saw him shall see him no more, neither shall his place any more behold him. His children shall seek to please the poor, and his hand shall restore their goods. His bones are full of the sin of his youth, which shall lie down with him in dust. Though wickedness he sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue, though he spare it and forsake it not, but keep it still within his mouth, yet his meat is turned in the gall of the asp within him. He hath swallowed down riches, he hath vomit that up again. God shall cast them out of his belly. He shall suck the poison of the asp, the viper's tongue shall slay him. He shall not see the rivers, the floods, the brooks of honey, the butter. That which he labored for shall he restore, and shall not swallow it down. According to his substance shall restitution be, and he shall not rejoice therein. Because he hath oppressed and hath forsaken the poor, because he hath violently taken away the house which he builded not. Surely he shall not feel quietness in his belly. He shall not save it for that which he desired. There shall none of the meat be left. Therefore shall no man look for his goods. In the fullness of his sufficiency, he shall be in the straits. Every hand of the wicked shall come upon him. When he is about to fill his belly, God shall cast down the fury of his wrath upon him and shall rain it upon him where he, eat, where he is eating. He shall flee from the iron weapon and bow of the steel shall strike him through. It is drawn that cometh out of the body. Yea, the glittering sword cometh out of the gall. Terrors are upon him. All darkness shall be hid in his secret places. A fire shall not uh, blown, shall consume him. It shall go ill with him that is left in his tabernacle. The heaven shall reveal the inequity, and the earth shall rise up against him. The increase of his house shall depart, and his goods shall flow away in the day of his wrath. This is the portion of a wicked man from God, and the heritage appointed unto him. Stephanie, I'm telling you what, Zophar is more wicked than the other two. Man, he shows yeah. up and just slams them. And uh, he's sitting yeah. there talking about how this is the uh, the wicked, talking about how Job is somehow wicked. Again, how great he is, how great they are, uh, how wonderful of a place they're in. And he just starts slamming. And yeah. I think this is the hottest and most violent of the torture here. I think this is just hanging overhead. It's it's a fanatical fearness against Job. I mean, just hearing that chapter, what comes to your mind? Um, well, wait, I, you pretty much summed it up. That Zophar is just continuing. These friends just continue to say the same thing over and over again um, with different words. And they keep just attacking Job from every direction they possibly can. They sure do. And I just, it's honestly... Um, their pride level, I guess, 
never ceases to amaze me because you never see in any of their statements any sense of compassion. Yeah. Any sense of maybe we should step back. Maybe we are coming at this wrong. Maybe maybe Job's right. Maybe he is righteous. Like that literally they're so proud and they're so stuck on the fact that they know what's right and what's wrong and what God's will is in Job's life. The thought of of stepping back and reconsidering their stance on all of this doesn't cross their mind. Yeah, there's no reason within them. They're no. not reasonable people. They're people that are out to uh, hurt Job. Yeah, well, and I mean, he sums it up. So he, he gets done slashing left and right, and um, he ends it with, this is the portion of a wicked man from God. So in other words, Job, you're getting what you deserve because you're wicked. And yeah. this is what God, God's given this to you because it is what you had coming. And and, and, once, and yeah, and I think there's an object lesson here, Stephanie, I, that I want to mm-hmm. ask you and give to you. I think there's a lesson there for for those of us who are listening to this right now. It doesn't matter how other people identify you. It doesn't. Yeah. Your your uh, you know, your identity is not hooked uh, to a few of your friends who are knuckleheads. And a fourth one comes on that we're. We've talked about a few podcasts ago, and actually Stephanie was just researching it. We're kind of wanting to get through 10 chapters in the next eight minutes, but we're not going to. But uh, we're, we're looking for good happening here. But, I mean, what does that speak to a person? If somebody's letting their friends and their super spiritual knuckleheaded friends uh, control their identity, I mean, what do you say to them? And, and, you know, I see this more with ladies, Stephanie, and I'm not picking mm-hmm. on ladies, but I see this being more problematic with ladies than I do with men. And, uh, what, what would you say if somebody's letting their identity, uh, be, be a portion of these people out there that are narcissists, that are, that are mean, that are cruel, that don't have a kind bone within their body. I mean, what, what would yeah. you say to them? Well, I'll never forget when you were counseling me in our first few counseling sessions and you started picking up very strongly that my identity was not who you saw me being, that who I viewed myself as was different. And um, as you began to unravel that and help me to be able to come to terms with the fact that I had swallowed a lot of brainwashing. Um, that is a very hard place to be. It's a painful place to be because you have to come to that point of realizing, okay, I've allowed myself or whether I realized I was allowing it, whatever the case is, I am not who I have been defined as by those around me, be it family, be it friends, quote unquote, whoever. And this is where you come back to who I am as a child of God. And that is not, God made you for a special purpose. He gave you a mind to think, a heart to reason. And when you have those horrendous statements thrown at you of, you know, you can't think for yourself or you're incapable or um, you're airheaded or whatever, things that I've had thrown at me um, for absolutely just when there's no human logic um, in the, involved and there is not when you're dealing with a narcissist, there's not human logic. The, the end game is control 
the end game is to manipulate you and the end game is to make you think you are who they are saying you are because once you're in that place they can do whatever they want with you and they can abuse you and you're going to be okay with it because you are who they said you are and um so i think the key is bearing yourself in god's word the key is separating yourself as much as you possibly can from those people and um, making God's word your lamp and your light. Don't let the, the tearing down destructive words and statements of others about you define who you are. Um, you have to choose to hold up that shield of faith. You have to choose to put on that Christian armor. And you have to choose to stand up against those fiery darts because that is what narcissism is. In the end, it is fiery darts from the devil. Yeah. yeah. And the words, the spirit, it all is devilish. It is satanic. And I truly believe there is a, that narcissism is a demonic spirit. I have no doubt in my mind. Um, I have witnessed it and experienced it. And it's the same everywhere I've experienced it and seen it lived out. It is the exact same spirit. It's the same words. And so you have to go at this as a spiritual warfare thing and say, God, I can't do this but I am claiming your strength and your power by faith. And, um, don't hang around those people. Um, if I can, if I can give any advice, do not hang around someone who is tearing you down because that person is not someone who is going to draw you closer to the Lord or influence you in a way that will help you glorify the Lord. And those people are trying to set themselves up in essence as the God role in your life. And you can only keep your eyes fixed on the Lord if you're going to be honoring and glorifying him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that kind of sums it up there is, you know, people, you know, religion is a man's attempt uh, to provide God for people. And we've seen the things change. I mean, I've stood at the Leaning Tower of Pisa, uh, where our Catholic friends used to uh, baptize by immersion, uh, preach a gospel message of Jesus Christ. I mean, I I know what happens with religion over time. I've I've seen papal authority. I've seen uh, Church of England authority. I've seen what happens to churches when people, uh, y- you know, get hung up and want to provide their own uh, religious peace, want to provide a social gospel want to provide an element to make people work harder, want to provide an element to make people give more money, want to provide an element. And, and that's what we're seeing. And over and over again, what we're seeing here is that exact thing. We're, we're seeing Job's friend try to turn the tables uh, to try mm-hmm. to make it look like they, they have the market cornered on spiritualism. They have the market because Job's sick, because Job's hurting, because Job's having a bad time. There's something wrong with him. It's all Job's fault. Yeah. And, and, and you folks who are listening, listen, I know this has happened to some of you. And the reason we're in this book of Job and the reason we got to understand this and the reason we're hanging out here is because if we're not careful, we can get caught up in this junk. If we're not careful, we can we can go backwards in this junk and get caught up in this junk and and uh, so so I say to you, friends, listen, don't allow that to happen. And you know another thing that crossed my mind, Stephanie, and someone had asked me to ask you to speak on this. So you kind of represent the widow or the single lady who's never been married, who's uh, kind of a couple groups. And uh, mm-hmm. what would you say, you know, to a lady? Uh, who's 40, 50, 60 years old, no husband, whatever be the case, uh, uh, widow, you know, divorced, never been married. Uh, mm-hmm. well, 
how would you tell them? Someone asked me, how does how does somebody structure a day like this? How do how do you fit God in? What do you how do you fit in at church? And can can you hit on that for a minute? Well, I think a lot of how you structure a day um, depends on your individual situation. Um, if you're a widow with a lot of kids, it is a lot tougher. Um, as far as are you talking like Bible reading? Is that what you're? Is that what the you're spir- after, Doug? The spiritual, the side. spiritual time. Yeah. In, in well, church. I love. Yeah. Yeah, um, I love the fact that God hears our prayers all day long. He tells us to pray without ceasing ceasing and david said evening and morning and at noon will i pray and cry aloud and he will hear my voice and so if you can keep in mind that you have a heavenly father who's listening to you day in day out and there are times i just have to get away and go to my room shut the door and just get on my knees and cry out to the lord for a few minutes um sometimes it's longer sessions sometimes they're cut short by little feet that come running and crying and need mommy for something um There's other times that I have to just pull away, turn on some music, and listen to music and cry out to the Lord that way. Um, Bible reading, there you can listen to it. If you're in a position where you don't feel like you have sit time, if you do better with listening, you can turn it on. There's many avenues now. There are many avenues for doing that. Um, The evening, for me, is normally the best time to do some Bible reading. The morning is very hectic at my house. And so um, I normally do my actual like Bible reading where I would read through a chapter or whatever in the evening. But um, the other thing I would say is try to commit verses to memory and give ask the Lord each day, Lord, give me something just to med- meditate on and um, focus on verses. Um, if we focus on what's being said about us or um, who we even view ourselves as, it's going to get depressing. And so that constant heart cry to the Lord for help, God hears those cries. And um, as far as church goes, do you ever feel like you totally fit in? No. Um, I, I haven't found a solution for that. Um, it doesn't matter where I am. Um, I don't feel like I necessarily fit in um, unless I'm with other people that are messed up and have PTSD. And then I normally feel like I fit in quite well. Um, But when you're at church, remember that our focus isn't to be on us as much as it's to be on the Lord and going to church. I ask the Lord every, every Sunday when we go to church as a family, we pray on the way and I ask the Lord, God, show us, show me someone, show my kids someone that they can be a blessing to today. And God constantly brings the verse to mind from Philippians where he says, look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the needs of others. And our focus is if it's on ourselves and if it's on us fitting in and us feeling great, that's going to be a depressing way to live. And the Lord has brought so much joy and does it mean that you don't hurt? No. Does it mean you don't feel lonely? No, it doesn't, none of that changes, but God brings joy when you say, okay, I'm not going to church for me. Yes. I'm going to ask God to, to speak to me through his word and through the preaching and all of that. But God show me someone I can be a blessing to. Yeah. And 
when you have that focus, when you have an other's focus versus a me focus, there's going to be a lot more joy. And it's not, it's not, I'm not saying it's wrong to want those needs met. It's not wrong to want to fit in and have friends and feel like the ear part of something that's normal. And that's, that's some, that's a good thing. But if you live there, you're going to get depressed. And so, um, especially if you're someone who is single, um, who's never been married, if you're in that position, find someone to pour yourself into, um, be someone who isn't constantly, I have watched single people who their whole world revolves around themselves and they are the most miserable, sick. And I mean like physically sick people. And they have, um, it almost sometimes seems like what is wrong with them mentally, but it's because their whole world is wrapped up in them and how they feel and, and what they do with their lives. And it's like, um, how about you think about the kids you can reach? How about you think about someone else that God has for you to make a difference in their life? And so that other's focus, I think, is key um, to finding joy in life. If yeah. you look for the joy in fitting in, you're not going to find it. So find the joy in glorifying and pleasing the Lord and in making a difference in someone yeah. else's life. Yeah, I think that's great. I And, and to you men out there, I know we're, we got a minute or so left and uh, to you men out there, when you're single, don't don't go to, uh, don't look for artificial pleasure. Uh, don't don't be looking to the things that aren't real, uh, outside the realm of real. And so many men and some women now, Stephanie, are caught up in this pornography thing, or uh, they they're either emotionally, uh, you know, you're either emotionally or physically pure. And I'm not saying you can you could have got saved and had been to a place where. Perhaps you lost your virginity or lost those things, but you're in a place now where God loves you. God can get you through. So stay mm-hmm. physically and emotionally pure where you're at right now. Uh, yeah. Stay and, and don't get involved in the things that aren't reality and and uh, right. stay away from that, you know, and be involved in church. Like Stephanie said, you, you know, these women, they never quite fit in in church. So, uh, you know, men, single men say that to me, too. And, you know, you just got to be part of it. Just show up and be part of it. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, just let God work in your heart. Let God work through the church. Pray on your way to church, as Stephanie does with the uh, with her kids, with her family on Sunday morning. God, let us find somebody that we can be a blessing to today. And and I think those are all the important things. So how do we get there from chapter 20 of Job? Job has a way of making our hearts think about a lot of things. But all we know at this point is Job has just been hammered away. And uh, we're going to get back together tomorrow morning. And we hope you do too. With We really want to look at chapter 21 together and see what Job's response is. I promise you, this thing's going to get better. It's going to get better quick. And uh, another week or two, we're going to be living some of the highest Job stuff you ever lived in your life. And uh, God will be good. But uh, listen, we hope you folks have a wonderful day. We hope you take the time to visit us out on our Facebook page, uh, Helpful Wounded Spirits. Uh, drop us a note. Drop us one on our personal page. Drop us a question. We're going to answer another one again tomorrow. But we sure do love you folks. Hey, take a minute and listen to this important message that I have to you about salvation. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. One of the more exciting things about our ministry is being able to tell people how they can know for sure they're saved and believe in Jesus Christ and spend eternity in heaven. The Bible tells us there's four things we need to know to be saved. The first thing it tells us is we're 
all sinners. The Bible says there are none righteous. It says that everybody in the world is a sinner. The second thing that the Bible teaches us is there's a price on sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. The third thing and the good news that the Bible teaches us today is it says, but God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners before we were even born, Christ died for us. So we can know we're a sinner. We can know there's a price on sin, but thank God that Christ died for us. Then the Bible says we must speak it in our mouth and believe it in our heart that all we need to do is pray to God, believe it in our heart that Christ has died for our sins and ask him to save us in Jesus Christ's name. And you know what, folks? He will. If we can do anything to help you in that area, please send us a message. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at woundedspirits.com.